Welcome to the fifth episode of the You Smart Tourism podcast. Today is about cultural heritage and what kind of relationship it needs to have with tourism. Smart gets you further. We are European, so we are made of history and we feel the pride. We are so wealthy in the sense that any destination has got some history to display and it can even change from one neighborhood to another. And this, in a way, is, is a form of multiculturalism, and the European Union celebrates it. You know that our motto is United in Diversity. So how does this translate into tourism? Is it enough to just sit on our cultural heritage and mark it as an attraction? We don't think so at the European Commission, so we have looked for experts on the matter, and we have also looked for cities that are committed to integrating their cultural heritage into a smart concept of tourism. But first, let's define what we mean when we say cultural heritage. We can refer to the UNESCO definition of cultural heritage, which includes both tangible heritage, such as artifacts, monuments, museums, that have a diversity of values, including symbolic, historical and artistic value, but also intangible assets, such as values and traditions of a place, which are equally relevant when thinking about the tourist attractiveness of a place. This is the voice of Dr. Eleonora Lorenzini. I am the director of two observatories at Politecnico di Milano. The first one is the uh, Travel Innovation Observatory and the second one is the Observatory on Digital Innovation in, uh, in the Arts and Cultural Activities. And uh, in these observatories, we study how digital innovation can, can impact on, on these uh, sectors, so travel and culture, and uh, we collaborate uh, with the communities of these sectors in order to improve their digitization capacity. Cultural heritage is a big part of what motivates people to travel, isn't it? Well, of course, uh, tourism is strongly linked to the discovery of the destination's cultural heritage, both tangible and intangible, and many studies confirm uh, this link. Yes, it's when we look at the numbers that it becomes clear just how much of a role it plays. I can cite uh, a few figures from our observatory on uh, uh, digital innovation in cultural heritage, uh, which say that, for instance, uh, if you consider the tourist journey of uh, Italian tourists, uh, 60% of them say that they have booked a tour to visit uh, the destination where uh, they were in, on holiday, or 42% of them have visited museums, monuments and exhibitions. Not to speak about the 45% who have experienced the restaurants and local cuisine, which is another important type of cultural asset. So there are a lot of tourists out there looking for more than just lying on a beach. An increasing number of travellers look for experiential tourism, which means engaging with the history, the people, the food, the culture, the environment of a place. So the enhancement of cultural heritage should be a pillar in the development of the tourist sector. 
especially in Europe, which is so rich in traditions and also in material heritage. And uh, this is also demonstrated, for instance, by the Smart Tourism Destination Project from uh, the European Commission, which aims to build the tourism of the future by innovating cities among four key aspects. And one uh, of these pillars is cultural heritage and creativity, together with sustainability, accessibility and digitization, which uh, indeed are also uh, drivers of cultural heritage and creativity itself. I mean that uh, they are uh, really important pillars for uh, a destination who wants to base its tourism on cultural heritage and creativity. Like pretty much all other aspects of tourism, the interest tourists take in exploring these attractions can take a toll. Reconciling the protection of uh, historic sites with mass tourism uh, is a sensitive issue. We talk about carrying capacity to uh, indicate how much tourism the destination can hold. And it often happens that uh, in the name of uh, economic development, uh, choices are made that can damage local cultural heritage. We have also to bear in mind that uh, the issue of sustainability in its social and environmental aspects is really crucial for that. And this is where proper capacity planning and smart digital tools come into play. This is the kind of issues that Dr. Lorenzini is researching. I think that uh, digitization uh, can help uh, in this direction. Uh, I have a focus in my studies on uh, digitization and uh, uh, I really think that uh, the smart management uh, of a destination can help uh, uh, also in understanding how to properly manage tourist flows in this sense. One good example of how to implement this idea is the city of Seville, which incidentally is also our winner of the 2023 European Capital Osmar Tourism Competition. Besides unique cultural-based tourist products, the city has designed and implemented a way to manage the tourism flows in terms of a smart city, a smart tourism destination. I have some examples of, of these. They have implemented a city platform for the management of municipal services, citizens' participation, coordination of measures, events and emergencies. They have uh, a sensorization of public buildings uh, and uh, they use uh, uh, Internet of Things uh, to contribute to uh, take the information to the city platform, also with a software that analyzes the tourist data from multiple sources in real time, they can manage and plan uh, the tourist flows uh, in a way that we can, uh, we can consider really a smart way of managing a destination. But there is also another risk to the cultural heritage of a destination, and it comes from the reality of living in a globalised and well-connected world. The risk uh, that globalisation has brought, uh, which is really important for cultural destination, is that uh, they can lose their uh, authenticity and hence their cultural heritage 
both tangible and also intangible, can be uh, replaced by something really uh, standard, I would say, while cultural heritage is by definition unique. Think also about, for instance, the food. Food is a cultural uh, asset of a destination, but uh, the globalization process has uh, really standardized the offer that you can find in uh, any city. So you visit a city and you find the same food chains that you find in another one. I think this is the example uh, more uh, illuminating and this can also be uh, found also in other parts of cultural heritage so if uh, a destination loses its values uh, its traditions uh, and become a standard destination the cultural tourism is uh, really impacted by this fact our next guest comes to us from the city of Karlsruhe in Germany My name is Jennifer Hohmann. I am part of Karlsruhe Tourism. I've worked there for the past five years, mostly in culture marketing. Um, so yeah, just local networks, but also anything touristy that has to do with culture as well. Karlsruhe is known to many in Germany as the home of the state's highest courts, but there is a lot more to the city. Jennifer. I think the first thing that always comes to mind, especially for people from Germany, is that we are considered the city of law. Um, because we're an important city for democracy in the country. We have the two highest courts here, um, also the um, Federal Constitutional Court. Um, we're also a city of inventors, um, especially for mobility. So Karl Benz, who uh, invented the car, was born here. Karl Reis, who invented the bicycle or the forerunner of the bicycle, was born here. And we still remain Casper's um, number one biking city. So we kind of try to incorporate that history um, into our current offer as well. Um, and this pioneering spirit has kind of remained too, I believe. We have nine or ten universities, I'm not sure at the moment. We have converted all districts into spaces for the creative industries. Probably our inner city is very interesting too because we have a very rich heritage in terms of architecture, from neoclassicism to Bauhaus, Art Nouveau, modernism. Also our location, food and drink, we're located next to Switzerland and France. We have everything from local pubs to Michelin stars, award-winning sustainable slow food restaurants. So yeah, it's kind of a joie de vivre, you know, kind of a very mixed vibe and a very dynamic urban area. In recent years, Karlsruhe has been hard at work marketing itself as a tourist destination, leveraging its particular spot as a unique cultural space. But the thing is, I guess for tourism in particular, culture is kind of 90% of what we market because it's the huge offer that we have is most like our unique selling point. I'd say with the city, it's the most important thing that we market as a tourism destination. Now, beyond the fact that there is a lot to offer, The city has been working on loads of different innovative approaches to enhance the consumer experience, from mobile shows to app-based games. I mean, like any other city, we have a lot of city tours, culinary tours. Um, we also recently started using our um, hop-on, hop-off city tour bus uh, for live comedy. So that's been really fun and hopefully we can um, continue doing that in the future. Like I said, as a city of law, um, we've also invested into app-based games, so kind of like an outdoor exit game that... Um, takes people on like a self-guided tour through the city and they have to solve a scandal at the local Mint from a couple of decades ago. With the uh, State Theatre, we've also created an app, like a self-guided audio tour called Hieronymus. Um, so we kind of try to incorporate our partners into, into tours as well. 
And every once in a while, we also do interactive events um, with our local culture brand, um, such as a scavenger hunt for students and young people. So we kind of try to make our locals tourists as well. And this is why in 2020, Carswell received a category award for cultural tourism. So my uh, colleague and I were actually invited to Helsinki in 2019. Uh, we were a little surprised to be shortlisted at the end of the year um, because we're among so many capital cities, world famous tourist destinations. Uh, because Katsuka, even though it's a gorgeous city with a very high quality of life, it's still somewhat of a hidden gem. So that was really a nice surprise for us. Getting to talk with cities like, uh, like Helsinki, um, Gothenburg, um, Florence, like all these amazing cities that have applied over the past few years and joined the network. Um, they probably didn't know about us before either. And it's just nice because sometimes you even don't realize how many good ideas or like smart ideas you actually have in your city until um, you actually get to share them. And people are like, oh, we never thought about that. Oh, that's actually very cool. And how did you go about that? So, um, yeah, so that's that's been really nice for us to actually be like, oh, we're doing something right. Like that's actually good to just have that positive feedback from from the outside world. And also since the award, Carlsberg's efforts continue with a host of other innovative projects in the pipeline. Yeah, actually uh, quite a few. Um, so at the moment we are collaborating with the Baden State Museum, which is also housed in the castle, which is right in the center of the city, um, because they have um, created a Tinder style app called Ping, um, which lets users match and chat with exhibits. So literally like Tinder or Bumble or whatever, you can swipe uh, left and right. And we are trying to expand that with them. So from next year, the app will also include uh, more touristy objects or exhibits um, in the vicinity of the castle grounds and the central market square so that visitors will be able to chat and potentially flirt with landmarks like our pyramid in the market square, uh, statues of Hercules or even a rubbish bin um, because they all have something to tell about the city of Karlsruhe. So we're kind of trying to get storytelling into that as well. We've seen this a lot in our podcast. Loads of Karlsruhe's recent success comes down to good networking, cooperation between different institutions in the city and a good amount of motivation and creative ideas. First of all, I'd say networking is key. Um, like I said, our municipal brand, Culture in Karlsruhe, is, is one example of how museums, theatres, archives, universities, cultural centres and more can come together to you know, joint social media accounts, joint events, or just to publicity, and the publicity to foster the collaboration and the visibility. Unique selling factors such as Centre for Art and Media have also helped, for example, in winning the title of UNESCO City of Media Arts. Um, we're the only city in Germany so far with that title. So definitely to, to get together and figure out where you can combine things and just work towards a common goal. Um, and like many modern cities, we've we've made an effort to repurpose industrial buildings, for example, um, such as the uh, Old Storterhouse District, which is now a hub for startups and the creative uh, industry. And also one of Germany's largest former ordnance uh, factories now houses the University of Applied Sciences, the Municipal Gallery, our world-renowned Centre for Art and Media. Um, so these are all institutions that in turn can be integrated into the tourism experience and kind of have a very unique building around them with very big foyers, very high ceilings. So it's like an experience in itself. And probably, last but not least, just to combine things that don't usually go together. For example, one of our oldest thermal baths is now home to a fantastic media arts installation called Sounds of Life, um, where visitors can jump out of the pool and then relax under the, you know, this big neoclassical cupola um, of the historic entrance hall and immerse themselves in music and light installations projected onto the ceiling. Um, so if COVID has taught us anything, it's that... Sometimes we have to think outside the box and make use of what we already have in new ways, um, rather than reinventing the wheel. 
Our final guest today is Andreas Nutz, who comes to us from the Austrian city of Linz. Linz doesn't have the typical tourist destination profile, which is why its entire approach to tourism and cultural heritage is unique, unusual and interesting. Well, Linz uh, has a lot of cultural heritage, but we consider ourselves as a city more of the presence, the here and now. Linz is not a classical historical city like other famous Austrian capitals or cities. We have a lot of historical buildings or places to visit, but Linz is very much about contemporary history. A lot of things have changed since 2009 when Linz became a cultural capital of Europe and Linz is now a UNESCO city of media arts. So uh, we have a, a short past uh, in this time and uh, there's been a lot of development in the least, uh, last 15 years or so. Andreas actually grew up in the city and describes the incredible transformation that has taken place over the past few decades. You know, in the 70s, Linz was really a gray city with nothing much to do. And I think out of this, uh, this, this time created a huge hunger for expression, for art uh, and for being different. It's uh, really unbelievable what this, what this city has to offer in 2022 when you knew it in 1985. The secret, it turns out, is embracing and leveraging the city's industrial past, along with the artistic expression, aesthetics and subcultures that have always been part of the city's identity. Linz uh, has a backbone in steel industry and is a very industrial city. I was born in the 70s uh, and, it, uh, I mean, industrial city was everywhere. But uh, we say that Linz has not transformed from an industrial city to a cultural city. Uh, both sides coexist and nourish, nourish each other. You have the art uh, with the mural harbor where you go through the, the harbor and you see huge paintings, graffitis, and uh, everything goes together well. You have uh, the Museum Stahlwelt, which is a museum that uh, shows the history of making steel. And uh, you have a, a very special and interesting place that I can highly rec recommend. Uh, that is the Tabakfabrik, uh, where in the last 60, 70 years, there was a lot of cigarettes were produced, but then uh, the company was sold. And now the, this huge building was empty. And now it's filled with... Uh, a lot of cultural things with uh, startups. And recently there was a, a very big punk rock festival in it. So uh, you see that in Linz, a lot of old things meet new things and uh, industry is a part of us that we are very proud of. This approach of embracing the city's identity and creative roots is also reflected in the city's marketing campaign, which is all about its no frills authenticity. We had a very, very uh, great campaign last year with a lot of awards and prizes. It was called Linz is Linz, Linz is Linz. And it's about being honest and, and not uh, selling cliches. Our slogan is ohne Schnickschnack und Klischees, which means without frills and cliches. And this is a, a message of Linz. It's a real deal, maybe. So. And uh, steel and tourist industry is a big, big part of our of our scene, but it's also we have a lot of we have uh, art exhibitions, we have uh, fantastic cultural centers, we have the Danube, of course, which is really a fantastic place to hang out, and a lot of cultural and great things are happening here. 
And that's it for another episode of the You Smart Tourism podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our guests for their ideas and insights. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for a newsletter to stay up to date on the future of tourism in Europe. Smart gets you further.